Good evening everyone, you're listening to Skip Intro with Ayman Rashad and in the studio with me this evening is Ian McNally, Bahi Yusuf and Julian Yap. So today we're going to check out a few documentaries that you may or may not have seen because it skipped uh, theatres in Malaysia. And the first documentary we're going to talk about is The Inventor, Out for Blood in Silicon Valley. What do you dream for? That less people have to say goodbye too soon to people they love. I had heard about Theranos and Elizabeth Holmes. But you know, her story is so compelling. She was going to herald a revolution in medical treatment in this country. Elizabeth was lying about the accuracy of the blood tests. It's all a show. She was deceiving investors to the tune of $400 million. So that was The Inventor Out for Blood in Silicon Valley and it's available on HBO right now and you guys have seen it. What can you tell us about it? So you might have heard of uh, the story of Theranos, which is a medical company that was basically trying to create a stepping stone to the Star Trek tricorder where they could just take a tiny example of sample of your blood and then figure out all sorts of different, well, you know, run a barrage of tests against it instead of taking Mm -hmm. the liters of blood they do now that, you know, they can only run a certain amount of tests on. And it's formed with this company, Elizabeth Holmes. And the documentary is a look into how they went from a company that is fated by, like, the creme de la creme of the U.S. investor and political establishment to a company that was worth literally nothing (laughs) and was dissolved. And how her dreams to create a company kind of just went completely awry. And there's also, it's not just like, you know, an exercise and look at how bad this woman is. They also have a a behavioral psychologist on there, a behavioral analyst, I think it is, to look into why people could end up thinking that they would take these acts that would be that would seem to you or I like there was no way we would ever do that. Mm-hmm. And yet they would do it to the tune of millions of dollars. And so her downfall was because she was a fraudulent character. Well, her downfall is the fact that the machine didn't work. Yeah, the machine didn't <laughs> work, never worked. But, but she claimed otherwise. She claimed that it could yeah. solve all kinds yeah. of yeah, illnesses and ailments. It's kind of the show, uh, calling it the inventor, I thought they should have called it like the perfection of hubris. Because it's this idea, once they start talking about Edison at the beginning, if you know anything about Edison, you start to know that, like, this isn't going to end well. Um, you know, he's hailed as a massive inventor uh, for, by certain people. But, like, there's a point where if you do any history reading, he's also, like, a massive fraud in that he ripped people off, mm. had patent. You know, oh, you know. really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He kind of withheld patents. Not as, a nice guy. Not a nice yeah. guy, you know, like he used to mess around he, with He's them. also the guy who failed a thousand times before finally... Well, that pops up a lot times. in this yeah. one. It's all those things, yeah. And that's kind of the core, I think, of the documentary is this idea that she has that, like, we're going to... In order to change the world, we're going to fail 10,000 times. And... It's also... I think also just the whole Edison thing is... It works on so many levels because she calls the machine the editor. Yes. Mm-hmm. So the, so she didn't see that coming, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So she get, uh, she didn't get past the certain page in the history book yeah. she was reading to figure or to the Wikipedia page where it gets to like, you know, controversies yeah. or, you know, <laughs> reputation. I think I think at the end of the day, the I I for me, I don't think she meant to steal money. I mm. don't think that was what she was going after. I think she did try to do all the things she said she was going to do. I think 
it was just one of those things where you know when you when you start when you build a product and then you get to that prototyping stage right and specifically in silicon valley that's when money jumps in because you need the money to build the final product problem is she just never told people that it didn't get out of prototyping. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And like to keep going forward, like, oh no, we need more money. What are we going to do? We're going to sign a contract with Walgreens and yeah. get loads of people to give us their money so that we can give them false blood work results. Like the the scale that this went, it kind of feels like a project that went too far mm. and it got out of hand. Just and, got out of hand. Yeah, yeah, and she just couldn't like control it anymore. But it's also like the intention you can see is there. I'm not, I don't know. I shouldn't be defending this woman who has, you know, <laughs> bamboozled a bunch of people, but like, you know, you can see the ambition, mm. but there, the documentary also does lay out like she, no, she didn't fail college. She, she dropped, dropped out. out. Yeah. She didn't want a lot of advice when it came to the business matters because for her, it was the vision, yeah. the idea of what she was going to do. And that's fine. But also you also need to run a company. And I think the doc does that really well because it does lay out like, she was blinded by her own ambition, basically. And what's also fascinating is you can literally see it because there is so much footage of like, mm. I think they must have done press tours of the offices and the labs mm-hmm. all the time. I think there's like three cards worth of footage, thanks to at the end yeah. of this yeah. documentary. And as a result, you can see her striding purposefully and full of vim down the corridors of, of her <laughs> shot of her place and everyone like you know doing their tests and there's so much fo- footage of her and she's so crazy around the eyes yeah wow she is she's a terrifying woman <laughs> Elizabeth Holmes has been on so many magazine covers that yeah. just allows you to focus on her eyes so much because yeah. she's got these massive eyes there's a bit when they say that she doesn't blink which is terrifying mm-hmm. yeah and I think watching the documentary the you get how unnerving she actually is. Yeah. I mean, you've seen photos of her and you think she's got like a weird smile, not smile mm-hmm. thing. Her eyes have got no emotion. <laughs> They're like doll eyeballs. She's Mark Zuckerberg eyes. That's she's the got thing. Mark she's Zuckerberg very like eyes. Mark Zuckerberg, right? And I mean, and, and it, it does do the thing where, you know, she was hailed as the next Mark Zuckerberg and the next Steve Jobs. Mm-hmm. And you can see, you know, the influence and everything. Mm. But like... But it feels like she just took the influences but never yeah. actually... So she's got the turtleneck. She, yeah. so, she, <laughs> she, goes, she wears a turtleneck. The black yeah, turtleneck. So there's this yeah. thing... Does, yeah, she, and she does the thing of wearing black the same outfit yeah. every day uh, so she can focus on all her changing the world. On changing the world and not worrying about what she wears. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, and that's that's a very superficial drawing of what Steve Jobs or Mark Zuckerberg does, mm-hmm. right? Yes, they dress the same clothes so they don't have to worry about you know getting all dressed up. He also but, shouted at technicians until it did work. Yeah, but there was a thing, right? There was a thing of actually making it work. And I think that's the... That's the big thing about this this documentary. I think Alex Gibney, the director, did a great job. He does a lot of really good stuff. Uh, I loved his his thing on Scientology. It was the previous one he did. Um, Going Clear. Going Clear was yeah. the one he did before this. Prior to that, he did uh, Enron's Smartest Guys in the Room. Okay. I think I think his documentaries don't do like a cradle-to-grave type of stories. They're about that moment and about that situation that, that, that we know that person for. Mm. And I think... That's all you need to know about, about this particular issue. Did you feel, though, that it came across like a hatchet job on her? Because I think I part mean, of that is like I, being, I, this is literally yeah. the, the televisual version of being hoisted by your own petard. I wouldn't yeah. say hatchet, but I'd, I'd say it had an agenda when it started out. Hmm. Yeah. And I don't have a problem with that. I mean, <laughs> it's it's not a great thing. This is mm-hmm. one of those people that maybe a hatchet job is kind of deserved. Yeah. <laughs> so, because she did take a lot of money from people. She did endanger a lot endanger of lives. Endanger a lot of yeah. lives, right? And I do like that this uh, Danielli 
psychology professor that the, the hinges around with the halfway point where he explains about the die test. There's this idea that like you roll a dice, you say in your head whether you're going to take the higher number or the lower number or the top mm-hmm. and bottom of the dice, right? And you'll get a dollar for each one you get right or something like that. And doing the test and then doing it again for charity and then doing it again with a lie detector and the people will lie to get more money. But when they do it for charity the lie detector won't pick up the lie because they genuinely think they're doing a good thing mm. even though they're being dishonest. So you're saying that maybe she was doing it for the right reasons? Well, it's an interesting spin on the whole thing. I wouldn't say about the right reason. I think she believed in what she was doing. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think that's the big key, right? It's, yeah. He's kind of an explanation of like, if you think they're fraudsters, you know, this is a... It's not, he's not defending them in any way, shape or form. He's just explaining how he did some work with her on stuff for the... Because the internal staff were getting pretty bummed about everyone calling them frauds because, mm. you know... They were frauds. And there's that section where they show what, like, they do a CG uh, representation of what the insides of the machines yeah. were kind of like when they were mm-hmm. broken and there's an awful lot of glass going Th- around. That's in the trailer as well. Yes, Ooh, it's in the trailer. Like, yeah. I nearly didn't get past that. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, I'll never put my hand in anything ever again. <laughs> but it has that air to it of, like, this is ha- – there is like it's not to say an explanation of why she did it, but an understanding of how people could end up doing that, which I think is interesting because yeah. – Silicon Valley is a huge part of worldwide culture and you see all these things going on and you realize that so much of it is built on lies, <laughs> outright lies. <laughs> especially, or the potential of a thing. Yeah, yeah. like when they're talking about the, the sales projections for mm. the coming years and you're like, you don't know that. Mm. I do have to say, I think I found it a little bit too dramatic, but you know, it's fine. It mm. tells a story. But um, there is a film adaptation of Elizabeth Holmes' life coming up. Really? Yeah. yeah. Jennifer Lawrence has been cast to play and, her. Yeah. Doing and, directed by Adam, Adam McKay. McKay. Yeah, who oh. did The Big Short. Yeah, Big Short. Yeah, it'd be great. Yeah. So that that's happening. It's I mean, supposed me, to be slated for next year. I think that will be the borderline hatchet job for me in mm-hmm. the sense that you've done the documentary, you've done a book, there's a podcast by NBC, you don't need a film. Mm. Yeah. This mm-hmm. so soon, I think, especially because the court case is still ongoing, I think yesterday there was a report that came out that her three lawyers were trying to get out of it. The three lawyers haven't been paid for a year. Oh, so it's like, they're just like, maybe too now, soon. too soon to mm-hmm. do the film, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so we've been talking about The Inventor Out for Blood in Silicon Valley. So if you guys have seen it or if, or if you guys are looking forward to see it, uh, let us know. You can WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899. You can tweet us at skipintromy and you can write us at movies at bfm.my. And coming up, we're going to talk about another documentary that is also related to another movie that's coming up um, soon. So you can join us in our conversation on Skip Intro, BFM 89.9. Beyond Frivolous Matters, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Skip Intro with Ayman, Ian, Bahe and Julian. And earlier, we were talking about the documentary The Inventor, Out for Blood in Silicon Valley. And for the second half of our show today, we are going to talk about another documentary that skipped Malaysian theatres and is also related to a movie that's coming out soon as well. And it is called Won't You Be My Neighbour, which is about Fred Rogers. You take all of the elements that make good television and do the exact opposite. You have Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Low production values, simple set, unlikely star. Yet, it worked. Hello. I've always felt that I didn't need to put on a funny hat or jump through the hoop to have a relationship with a child. A neighborhood was a place where 
at times that you felt worried, scared, unsafe, would take care of you. He had a singular vision of kindness and love. You guys have seen this as well. What can you tell us about it? Well, I didn't really get I think Fred Rogers is a very American thing. I don't think it traveled very well, but mm-hmm. I think its influence his influence might have been felt far and wide. He was a children's entertainer uh, in the 60s up until the 2000s and he had a TV show that was all about, you know, loving each other and getting to know each other and dealing with kids in a like in an earnest way that's not childish or talking down to them or even embarrassing to watch one of the great things about watching this documentary is seeing those clips of interacting with kids Mm. and there's actual pure joy on the kid's face for just being talked to the right way and this documentary follows how he got into this you know his his idea was to get people to act better through television and because when you think about it in the 60s as well there was a there's a clip that went around before this came out which i thought was going to be more of a corner center stone for the movie which was when he goes to Congress to ask for money for the public broadcast service in the US which is oh. basically like their TV3 their local over the air network well mm-hmm. they didn't have satellite back then so mm-hmm. terrestrial television it's their non-commercial television. non-commercial television and he wins over there's a speech he gives that's fantastic that he wins over a senator and he's like you just got your 20 million dollars so it's, it's an amazing story yeah see I, I, I never realized how because I before the Tom Hanks movie trailer came out, I never heard of him before. All right. So I never realized how big of an impact he had on on, Ameri- on Americans, yeah. both young and old. Yeah. Until I read all the comments, was oh my child is coming back to life. Yeah. So this this documentary um, sort of portray him. I yeah. assume it portrays him in a very think, um, positive light. I think positive is one thing, but also you realize that this man actually did a lot of good, and yeah. in, mm-hmm. not in a. I not in not in a, oh I I I'm I'm a, I do a you know charity run every year kind of thing but in a you know in the 60s when there were issues of race and 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 culture wars and all that you know he did something as simple as getting the the character of a black policeman to come and sit down next to him and wash his feet mm-hmm. wash his feet in the pool with him, right? To cool off in the pool. To cool off in the pool, sorry, yeah. And this and in the documentary they played it against footage of 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 white men chasing black chasing off a black family in a pool with bleach by dumping bleach in the pool. So you see, this is a really crazy, painful moment in American history. And this man changed or well, hopefully I guess in some ways, changed that by just doing such a simple act, you know, because the kids that he was talking to were three, two, four. You know, they. If Mister Rogers can share a pool with a black man, why can't I share a pool with a black man? Mm-hmm. So I think that he did very, very well. So I think for me, what I enjoyed the most about it was that this is—it's such a pure and good-natured and honest documentary for a very good-natured, honest man who made a very good, honest like show. Like it kind of all fits together. I think it paints a very good portrait of this person who a lot of people know. Fred Rogers has always been a kind of abstract figure in pop culture for someone who who never consumed any of mm, it. Yeah. As in the same way Bob Ross is. Oh, Bob Ross is yeah. less. But, anyway. <laughs> but we just, we get snippets of him in the way that he is. So actually seeing how his show came together, how he did all the puppets and how he um, wrote all the all the voices and the characters for all the puppets and did the voices for them and only having a very bare bones cast and doing all of that basically every day 
mm. I yeah. think, on TV. And how he sustained that for so many years is like incredible. And I think uh, actually getting to see his vulnerability of, you know, vulnerability of a person that a lot of people know who never showed that vulnerability, not exactly that kind of vulnerability. Vulnerability in what sense? In the, the strain on him and his family doing this kind of show, the ability to meet audience expectations when he's trying to very earnestly put out a show that does fit his values when an audience might not want it as we move into the 2000s. It's kind of cool. Well, I didn't realize they have a clip from the first week when Bobby Kennedy was assassinated. Yeah. See that bit? And they yeah. have is a tiger puppet who starts off just like a, like a small child wandering from conversation to conversation. Can mm-hmm. you blow this balloon up for me and let the air out? And then like after they do that a few times, the tiger puppet asks the, the human character, what's assassination mean? And it's done because that's the, that's the same way a kid would do it. It's something that they just heard and they want to know mm. about it. And they deal with issues like that in such an amazing way, which I did never knew mm. they did. And as someone who grew up watching Transformers and G.I. Joe and a lot of the violent stuff that is portrayed a little bit negatively in this, like your knee-jerk reaction is like, I watched those and that was fine. <laughs> but I think that in this... At the moment, we have so much content available. I think there should always be room or there always needs to be a Mr. Rogers kind of show. I'm not... I'm not down with Peppa Pig. I, I hear she's a bit of a psychopath. I'm not sure what the current version of that is. Yeah. Um, I guess it's Sesame Street or something. Yeah, but I think there's something about Mr. Rogers. There's an, there's an innocence there, right? Mm. Is There's that simplicity in... I mean, look, there was a, a bit where he did was he wanted to teach a kid what a minute was. So he just sat there, set the timer for 60 seconds, and he just looked at the camera for a whole minute. Yeah. And that was a minute on t- of airtime, of just complete silence. And and there's a simplicity to that that you think as a, you know, as for us, as a, you know. As a fast editing adult. Yeah, uh, just like drug-fueled Transformers button. move, you know, moving, shifting imagery. Just to sit there quietly for 60 seconds to teach a kid what 60 seconds is, is just amazing. And we, when we talked about um, animation and TV mm. for kids today, Bahir, you said that, you know, kids don't have the patience for it yeah. anymore. Mm. To see the difference there was so stark, like mm. to actually see how the, the, the difference in approach. Yeah, but yeah. As, as a video producer, I'm sitting there going, wow, the guts you had to just mm-hmm. say, oh, no, we're just going to hold it for 60 seconds. So, like, we live in a, in a cynical world right now. A lot of oh, yeah. bad things <laughs> happening. Sure. Do you think a character like Mr. Rogers would be something good for kids on, on, on TV? Would he fit no. in where we are he'd get right cut now? A, he'd cut, cut apart but on I social think media. his character of him, like, the, the, the character of the person, yes, he's a man of the 60s and 50s, you know, he, that's, you know, time has moved on. You know, if you watch The French Connection, it seems a bit slow these days. You know, there's some things do not transpose. I think there is a gap for it, but one of the other things that kind of he emphasizes is the role of parents all the time. It's like, you shouldn't be letting your TV raise your kids. Mm -hmm. And there is this element of like, the parents get the kids to watch this stuff or watch it with them and Mm. also understand how to talk to them about these things. And it's a it's a teaching and yet, you know, it's edutainment to use the, the buzzword. I think the difference here for having a Mr. Rogers today is that there were so there was so much trust instilled in him by parents and by educators and teachers because he was on public TV. Mm-hmm. We don't have a similar character on public TV in, I'm not going to say the world, I don't know yeah. the world. But I think today, if we did have something like that, the probably the closest, I don't know, YouTubers that kids would 
trust and listen to as much as mm. Mr. Rogers was, but it doesn't have the same kind of vetting process where parents are involved kind of in the kind of content that the kids are going to consume. And I think that it wouldn't fit. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no avenue to. for that kind of content anymore. There is always that risk these days of someone having something hidden in their background that is yeah. not so good. And it, it, Mr. Rogers was not that. I mean, they talk about people talking about him perhaps having secret histories or having tattoos that he hid under his cardigan and stuff like that. And, you know, none of it was there. But it's a lot harder to be that kind of person today. Yeah. Yeah. But, if, yeah, but if you're feeling nostalgic about it, then, you know, this documentary will bring up I mean, memories yeah. about uh, Fred Rogers. It's hard to that because we never got Mr. Rogers' yeah. neighborhood here in Malaysia. And I think it's, if you're feeling nostalgic for a more innocent time, yeah. I think that's what it is. I think a, a time when TV is actually potentially good, mm-hmm. that you're not dangerous. Yeah. Television's not dangerous, mm. yeah. And I think it's also kind of perfect that this documentary has come out before the Tom Hanks movie has... Which is called A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. You know, assuming a lot of more people have seen the documentary would have learned about the good and the story, the good and the dark, the difficulties putting on this show and the actual journey that he went on. I think people will get to see that, the real version of that, getting to have some context. Because Tom Hanks was, um, he played Disney in something a while Saving Mr. Banks yeah, yeah Saving Mr. Banks but we have enough context of Walt Disney we don't have that of Mr. Rogers internationally mm. so I think it's a nice little it's a nice little pairing so I'm kind of excited for that so we were talking about Won't You Be My Neighbor which is the documentary about Fred Rogers uh, let us know if you uh, if you guys want to check it out uh, you can WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899 you can tweet us at skipintromy and you can write us at movies at bfm.my